Hello and welcome to Why a Book, the podcast where we try to uncover why old YA novels were books. I'm Mary. And I'm Renee. And I have quite the tale. Uh, Mary can attest, this was a harrowing experience for me to reread. It was. It took several days um, and possibly, w- possibly years off your life. I was emotionally defeated by the end of every day. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> so it's Blue Bloods, the first book in the Blue Blood series by Melissa De La Cruz, which I remembered fondly. Yeah, I'm and very I- excited for this one because I, I remember seeing the series in the library a lot and I just never read them. And now I'm really glad I never did. Yeah, well, I liked it back in the day. Rereading it we will get into a lot of issues I have. But let's start with the description. Skylar Van Allen has never fit in in Duchenne, her prestigious New York City private school. She prefers baggy vintage clothes to the Prada and pearls worn by her classmates. But when she turns 15, Skylar's life changes dramatically. The death of a popular schoolmate haunts her in unexpected ways. And strangers of all, Jack Force. That's his actual name, Jack Force. His last name is Force? His last name is Force. Okay. Uh, Strangers of all, Jack Force, the most popular boy in school, is showing a sudden interest in her. Once an outcast, Skylar is thrust into Manhattan's most exclusive social circle. Its members are the powerful, the wealthy, and as Skylar discovers, the unhuman. The unhuman. The unhuman. (laughs) They are the Blue Bloods. An ancient group of vampires, and for centuries, they've been invincible. Now something is preying on this elite group, and Skylar wants to find out the truth. But is she the most vulnerable of them all? Why is it always these girls are 15 when they have their life-changing experiences? Fifteen. <laughs> like they're always 15. Like at last week's book, she was 15. Quinceanera! <laughs> I mean the quinceanera conspiracy. I mean, I feel like we might we might be on we something. Might, uh, yeah, we might unravel a conspiracy. But um, we didn't I also I want to establish how she spells Skylar. So she's from an old new like very old New York family. Her family her last name is Van Allen, but okay. she's the, I see where this, this is, is going. pre Hamilton, but it's the Skylar sisters Skylar spelling. I always thought it was pronounced Schoiler. That's what most people did. Um, I've heard like a few podcasts going over like the American Revolution that were made pre-Hamilton and everyone mispronounces it. But yeah, it's spelled, it's, and I I bet I didn't know how to pronounce it until one of the characters pointed it out to like explain. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm guessing that Melissa was like, oh, let's find like, just like something that's really old New York. Mm-hmm. And she found the Schuyler family. But I mean, I think that's a little cool. Like, yeah. wow. But um, <laughs> I mean, I have to say, just based on the description alone, it doesn't sound that bad. No, it doesn't. Like, it actually sounds like but, an interesting story. But before we get into the actual story, she has a quote in its Muse lyrics. You can't push it underground. You can't stop it screaming out. How did it come to this? You will suck the life out of me. What was with mid-2000s vampire authors and muse? <laughs> I don't know. But okay. So uh, it starts with um, an excerpt from some random history book about information on the Mayflower and Miles Standish, who some of you might not know. Uh, if you're not from Massachusetts, you don't know him. If you're from Massachusetts, you know too much about him. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Miles Standish went over on the Mayflower and he ended up being like the first governor of Massachusetts. So you just find out a random information about the Mayflower Voyage and why 
they came to America. And then it cuts to a diary from a woman who was on the Mayflower, uh, Catherine Carver, and she's just not enjoying the voyage. And she's like, but, you know, we had to escape uh, what you assume is religious persecution. Did people enjoy the voyage? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, it wasn't a, like, Royal Caribbean cruise line. <laughs> so New Englanders learn way too much about the Mayflower and just settling Plymouth Plantation and all that. So Mary and I will have that perspective. This author is from the Philippines, so she did not have probably, the education yeah, at all. I think she probably picked up random facts from because she went to Columbia University. So she had overeager New England friends who just talked about Plymouth all the time, probably based on our college experience. I would be that friend. Was that was that your college? That was not my college experience. Oh well, I'm just a history nerd. <laughs> I tried. You know, honestly, I don't remember that many details. But mostly, I was talking about American history with our friend Shay, who's from Jersey. So I I, I can't say I ever taught people. She also American loves American history, history yeah. too. So I just talked with other history nerds. But uh, just to put this into perspective, the author is not American. So I think she did the she did very minimal research if any research at all into the history, but we'll get into that because that that's a that's a tough uh subject for me in this. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so there's a diary, not having a good time on the voyage. Cut to New York present day, which I think is like 2010, maybe earlier. I forget. We get an inaccurate description of the East Village in Lower East Side. And Skyler, oh no, sorry, we're not there yet. The Van Allen Bank was um, this, it's just this old building uh, in Lower East Side. And it was turned into a nightclub for this dark, edgy music called Trance, which I just picture as Gregorian House from Neo Yokio. Well, okay, so that's actually something I'm confused about because trance is a genre and like one that I listen to from time to time. And I would not call it dark or edgy. Oh, well, they make it seem like it's dark, edgy. Like, on- trance is in the same vein as, like, chill wave, lo-fi. Like, it's all oh. kind of connected. Interesting. At well, least the trance that I'm familiar with. Maybe I'm a fucking idiot and I'm getting it wrong. But anyway, so uh, we cut to two 15-year-olds trying to sneak into this Van Allen Bank Club. It's now called The Bank. And it's Skylar Van Allen, who we've already discussed a little bit, and her best friend, Oliver Hazard Perry. His last name's Hazard-Perry. Okay. I just love that name. That was middle name Hazard. <laughs> it's his nickname, Hazard. Anyway, so we this is where we find out that Skylar is from, you know, old New York family. Like, they, her family came over from the Mayflower and eventually moved to New York, uh, and they've been there forever. And, like, they're tied to all different buildings and historic stuff. Yeah, that um, feels right. Yeah. Uh, she, but she, she's from an old family, but, you know, she's not really rich. They make that clear. And she they describe her as very pretty, but she wears like really weird layered baggy clothes. Oh, uh, I that love that, it. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've had an obsession oh, with layers forever. This is this is how it's described. She looked like a Dresden doll in witch's clothing. They also say that she almost looks like a bag lady, like people who make fun of her. Okay, that wasn't me. Uh, and so the Oliver is described as tall and slim with a fair elfin face that was framed by a shag of brilliant chestnut hair. He had sharp cheekbones and sympathetic hazel eyes. And he he's the like rich homeless clothes where he puts tons of money in to look homeless. Okay, so like what people do now for athleisure. Yes, but you know, back in like 2010 when it was boho chic. Boho chic. Where it was like, oh, these jeans look like they've been through 10 years of wear, but I just bought them off the rack in this flannel. Yeah. One of my $300. Pe- yeah. One of my pet peeves is um 
pre-splattered jeans. I hate when you buy a pair of jeans that have artful paint splatters. I did that in high school. I mean, I also <laughs> did that. I owned a pair, but looking at them now, like it looks stupid. It looks yeah. like you laid them out and you just drip paint on them. Um. So anyway, <laughs> Skylar and Oliver have been best friends since elementary school, and they both actually are families that came over on the Mayflower. Their names have obviously changed. None of those names were on the Mayflower roster that I remember, <laughs> but I could be misremembering at this point. Do you remember the whole roster? I just feel like those are the names that are ingrained in Massachusetts culture. The towns are named after them. They're like very elite families. Like half the Cape Cod is named after the Mayflower families. So usually even if I don't have the roster memorized, but I just feel like most of these families on the Mayflower, if I see the last name, I know of that name because it's so ingrained in Massachusetts culture. Mm. But I could be wrong. She could have done her research and I didn't do my research that far while doing these notes. Anyway, so they're trying to sneak into a club. They're both 15 years old. So <laughs> that's just yeah, the New York City high school lifestyle, I guess. I guess. I don't know. I, I've never been to a club and I'm 24. So I <laughs> can't say I know what's going on. They're not fun. I've only been on work parties Oof. and that itself just lends a whole extra element to it. Yeah. So anyway, they're in line at this club. She's really nervous about like trying to sneak in and Oliver's like, don't worry, our friend Dylan's already on the inside. Like if this other 15 year old can get in, we are fine. And then she sees this blonde guy get out, out of a car and then this crazy like drunk driving cab comes and hits him and he gets, she, she sees this blonde guy just getting ran over and she's freaking out but then the guy's just like all of a sudden standing and walking over to like where she's standing and totally fine and she's just like what the fuck and she realizes it's Jack Force the most popular boy from school and she's just like what just happened and he's just like who are you and why are you acting like this why is this scene really familiar I it just like conjured this image it was definitely a manga and I can't recall which one. All I can remember is a scene of some kid getting hit by a car and then like getting back up and everyone's like, oh, it's so creepy, but I don't know what it's from. I don't know. It must have been something recent. So, and, and when they're describing how he's the most popular boy in school, they say that he's handsome, smart, and he was the lead in the school play. As a former theater kid, being the lead does not mean you're popular. Half the people don't even know who's the lead in the school play and they don't go see it. Anyway, so he starts talking to her and, and she's really surprised because he's being really nice and kind of flirty with her. And she's like, I'm a nobody. I'm I'm weird. Do you see my hat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not go to the, down the Riverdale direction. Let's right not now. talk about that right now. Um, and she, yeah, she's surprised because she's like a loser in school. Uh, and he and his twin sister Mimi are the most popular, like different level than her. And Mimi's like, you already get the the vibe that she's like the the bitchy, typical mean girl. These make me think of those twins from Degrassi. The ones that came in later? Yeah. Um, they were actors. Declan. No. Yeah, Declan. Yeah, yeah. Declan and uh, Fiona. Yes. <laughs> that's the vibe I'm getting from them. Honestly, probably. I'd say that's pretty accurate. I mean, at least she was an actress. I think he was also. Um, I don't know. So anyway... Jack leaves because he's going to this other club that's right next door. Skylar and Oliver get to the front and Oliver's just like, just be confident, like manifest that this is going to be okay and our fakes will work. And so the bouncer like scans them and they're not scanning. And so Skylar's just like, he'll let us in. He'll let us in. And then the bouncer's just like, all right, you're in. <laughs> okay. 
I'd like to report this club. It was like a very, these are not the droids you are looking for moment. Yeah, a little, little Jedi mind trick action. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to the club next door, which is described as like, they go on this really, as, <laughs> as I've told Mary, this book is like 90% obnoxiously long description that just is so unnecessary. So they go into this long description of the club next door. Essentially, it's a modern Studio 54. So like mm-hmm. anyone who's anyone is there and a lot of probably like 13-year-olds doing cocaine, I guess, because that was Studio 54. <laughs> <laughs> I never went there. <laughs> you never went there? Just, well, no. It, it was a 70s club. Yeah, well, no, I, you know what I was thinking of is, um, 54, 54 Below. That's where, that's yeah, what that's what it's of. been turned into. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, Mary, I know you haven't been No, there. I was thinking of 54 Below. So Mimi's there. They describe her as 16 going on 34. <laughs> what that really means, I don't know. Size 22 waist and size 10 shoes. And she eats a lot of junk food, but she's tiny. How tall is she? Probably tall. She's like, because she models, so I'm assuming she's tall. Okay, I'm like a size 10. Yeah, I I just thought that was so weird. They're like, she's so tiny, but she's size 10 feet. I was like, she she must must be be, tall. Yeah, she must be tall. Okay, so you straight off the bat, figure out that she's just a rich bitch. Like, two pages of describing what brand she's wearing and what outfits, and you just know she's a rich bitch. And her friend, Bliss Llewellyn, is there. Bliss recently moved to New York from Texas because her dad became a politician in the city. He became a politician in the city from Texas? Well, he was like a rich Originally, and you'll find like he he was ties to New York and was oh. in Texas, but he moved back to. He, I think he's a senator. I don't know if he's in the state senate or like if he's one of the senators. Interesting. Okay. Anyway, uh, so Bliss is there, and then you get this like off the already off the bat this weird incest implication between Jack and Mimi, the twins. Mm-hmm. Um, that also happens in Degrassi. Yeah. So. It starts off and she's just like, oh, like, she's like resting her legs across Jack's lap. But Bliss, because it's from Bliss, this chapter is Bliss's point of view. It changes every chapter and it's a little nightmarish. But um, Bliss is just like, oh, like, Mimi's date didn't seem to mind. And then she also later says, like, they're weirdly close for twins. And also Jack's real name is Benjamin. So they, they switched to calling him Benjamin for a hot sec. And I was just like, wait, who? She has another brother? More incest? And then they're like, Jack. And I was like, oh, Benjamin is Jack. Okay. But why? I don't know. Anyway, Jack is not really, he's kind of annoyed at Mimi. He's like, stop trying to touch me. So you hear, you get the physical description that they're both platinum blonde, green eyes, and thin. That's what the four siblings look like. Mm-hmm. Their dad is a media magnate. He owns like tons of media corporation stuff. Okay. Their mom's a socialite who helps form something called the committee that you get vague references to. Mimi's complaining about the committee. All we know so far is that Mimi was drinking like a ton of whatever popular cocktails (laughs) it was back then. Um, But she's not getting drunk. And she's like, oh, the committee told me that, you know, my tolerance was going to go way up. Yeah, that's all you know about the committee so far. Okay. And then you find out. This is one of my issues with this book is that... You know there's going to be vampires, but she tries to hide some things and make it a reveal, but she gives some vague references, like this vague reference to the committee, but then she gives more very out there explanations to this vampire world, because right after you get this vague reference to the committee, Mimi just goes like, oh yeah, like this is my human familiar, so you're like, okay, obviously Mimi's a vampire, and because she, she references like sucking his blood. Oh. So it's just like, it's really bad in terms of like... Suspense? It, yeah, because what she's trying to go for for a lot of this is uh, dramatic irony, but it doesn't really work, so we're just like, yeah, like we know like 
obviously the characters don't know because like well obviously like just the description alone like you know it's you know it's about vampires vampires, but like she tries to like that's why i'm saying she goes for the dramatic irony because there's a lot of stuff that like skylar doesn't know about vampires at this point Mm -hmm. and like some of the secrets of the vampire world the characters don't know the like hints she drops for the audience is just very explicit like Mm -hmm. you know like in front of skylar as well like the hints that like for some of Skylar's plot and like the other plots, like when she's just giving descriptions that the characters aren't aware of. And so like things the characters find out, like chapter 30, the readers piece together by chapter 10, because she basically tells the readers through mm. the uh, descriptions. I'll, I'll get to some more concrete examples. Okay. Yeah. They don't, they don't straight up say she's a vampire, but they talk about her human familiar and like the way they talk about her relationship with him. It's either she's a vampire or a sex addict. And I'm just like, I think we know which one in this book. We have to also just account for the fact or just generally for New York eccentrics, which I mean, when you're 15 are probably not. Yeah, really that at the but, forefront of your mind. But <laughs> mm-hmm. if, someone, if someone I knew in the city today was like, yeah, my my familiar, I'm like, okay, you're just like one of those like... Well, she's talking about how she's like, oh, committee rules. I have to like, you know, I can't use him more than once in a 20 or in a 48 hour span. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, all right, I'll, unless this is the committee is some weird sex club, <laughs> which like, yes, those exist in New York City now, but you're 15 years old. Yeah. Anyway, so Mimi's just like, I'm going to go dance. And then um, Bliss left with their friend Aggie, who's already there, also there. You don't know much about Aggie at this point. But Bliss and Aggie went outside for a smoke break. Uh, and it cuts back a while later. And Mimi realizes that Bliss and Aggie haven't come back. Well, she actually doesn't even acknowledge Aggie. She's just like, Bliss isn't back from her smoke break. Yeah, she's just like, fuck my other friend, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then it cuts to Bliss, who is a sad Texan fish out of water in New York City. Like, she talked about how much she hated moving there. And like, she and her stepmom uh, were are very like gaudy Texas fashion, kind of like the wanting to be Dolly Parton, but mm-hmm. taking it 10 steps too far. Like, so, n- like if you like trailer park Dolly Parton, but you're rich. So Aqua from Cheetah Girls. Yes. <laughs> Perfect description. But yeah, so like the mom's always wearing like very kind of, ta- they describe it as like tacky, colorful things. And like Bliss shows up to her first day of school. She has her like the the bigger the hair, the the higher the hair, the closer to God um, mm-hmm. curls. And, you know, she goes shows up to school. And this is actually a pretty good part of the book. She shows up and she's like, and everyone, granted, remember, this is like between 2008 to 2010. And everyone has straight hair. They're skinny jeans, black and white. And this new girl just waltz in, like, probably wearing fringe, like a, probably a hot pink mm. big texas hair so she hates it there but then mimi the like most popular rich bitch decides to take her under her wing gives her a new york city makeover but bliss is just like i don't like it i miss texas i like my texas lifestyle <laughs> well good luck yeah and then she also has been having really weird deja vu since she arrived in new york city like when she arrived at their home for the first time, which you find out was like, it was a family home from like a couple of generations back that they move into and they come back to New York City. But she walks in and she goes, oh, that's weird. There used to be a fireplace there, but she's never been here before. And then mm. she finds out that in the 1800s, there was a fireplace that they covered up. Dun, dun, dun. So she's just like, I don't like the style, the people. I'm having weird feelings and flashbacks that don't exist. And she's been having really strange nightmares that don't make sense. 
I mean, that's just a regular teenage experience. Yeah. (laughs) So she's in this back alley that's kind of the no man's land between the two clubs. So it's the only it's like the smoking space that both clubs share. So it's Mm -hmm. the elite, popular, rich bitches and the alt indie kids. This is the only place where they interact because Mm -hmm. it's just the smokers. And so she just just kind of describes that. And then, oh, and she so then, yeah, while she's out there, she runs into Dylan, who's the friend that uh, Skylar and Oliver were meeting inside the indie alt trance Mm. club. And so they start talking. Then it jumps to school the next day. (laughs) Yes. Oh, so they they were out on a school night. Yes. (laughs) This was a Sunday. Okay. Or a Saturday and they just skipped a day. I forget. <laughs> I really don't know. But I feel like it was a school night. Anyway, so they go to this. They t- they describe in extreme detail. Like she loves just giving long winded details. Like you find out that there's like a lithograph in the school, like a printing press in the art room. So you just get like this long winded explanation about every tiny. You basically like I could paint an exact replica of every part of this school with the way she describes it. It doesn't add to the plot. It really doesn't add anything. It doesn't make the experience of reading this better. I don't really think, wow, it's like I'm really there. I think, wow, this book fucking sucks. (laughs) Anyway, so they're at school and then they're called to an emergency chapel meeting. And so Skylar and Oliver walk in and no one addresses this, but Dylan, they just say, oh, Dylan was there. He looks sleep deprived. He has a red stain on his shirt and is overall disheveled in appearance. But like that, I was just like, oh, red stain. That must be important. Like, and then no one addresses it. And they're just like, no one's just like, why does this kid look like he's been like a fucking fight or something? Uh, And so they find out that Aggie, the friend that you didn't hear much about who went with Bliss on that smoke break. Mm hmm. She's dead. She died that night at the club. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what you find out. So, yeah, they just tell the students that horrible tragedy, Aggie died over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, people assume it's an overdose because of the spot where she was found in the club is where a lot of overdose people are found. Like, there's a little, like, people, there's, like, an overdose. So what they say is they're, like, <sighs> and I think it was in the, I, actually, I forget which, it was in one of, the, I forget which one of the two clubs it was in, but basically they're, like, people will OD and they put them in, essentially, like, this closet until they either wake up or someone calls, like, an ambulance. And that's where she was found. So they're, like, she OD'd on drugs. Why would they put them in a closet? I don't know. What is the logic there? I don't know. But Aggie's dead. How is anyone supposed to call the authorities if they're in a closet? Well, they do. Like, they get to the hospital. They're like, everyone else, like, because someone, the, she was brought to the hospital, but then she was dead. Anyway. Um, so then you get a scene of Mimi and Jack in the hallway. And Mimi's really upset that Jack is re- opposed to her, like, touching him. And she just says, quote, she would change soon, talking about herself. She's like, I don't know why you're so opposed. Like, I'm going to change soon. And that you just get that. Okay. And then they, there's a vague reference to their family history. That doesn't really matter. But so they're being weird. They've been connected since they were young. Like, they feel each other's pain. So, like, if one skinned their knee, the other one would feel the pain on their on their knee. So we're really just hitting every twin stereotype. Yes, <laughs> we really are. Uh, but lately, Jack has been distant and she hasn't really been connecting with him as much. So she's worried. Mm-hmm. And then Mimi starts talking about Aggie and she doesn't know how Aggie could have died. But she was the one that ID'd the body. Mm-hmm. And she was horrified by marks on her neck and the fact that her body was fully drained of blood. 
Like, there was not an ounce of blood left in this girl. If I was the crime scene investigator, I would... Or, like, no... <laughs> but the, um... It's an overdose. The... Fuck, what is that called? The, um... Medical examiner, whatever the fuck. The person who prepares you when you die. Yeah. I would be horrified. Yeah, well, you, you find out... This is explained. Um, but, yeah, for the, the readers right now are like, oh... How did they think it was an OD if, if she was fully drained of blood and there was a mark on her neck? And Mimi's adamant. She's like, she should not, like, it should not have been possible for her to die, just generally. So she's like, she's implying that, like, <laughs> Aggie should have been immortal. <laughs> she's heavily implying that. Okay. Without outright saying it. Okay. Yeah. And then they say that uh, a conclave has been called and that everyone will be notified of the emergency within the conclave and the committee and what the reader is like, oh, the vampires, okay. Despite the fact that it hasn't been outright established yet, we're like, yes, okay, there's issues in the vampire world that you're vaguely referencing, yay. Mm -hmm. And they say that even the kind of younger, the like new recruits are going to be notified. Mm -hmm. Then it switches back to Bliss. Bliss just provides an alibi for her and Dylan. They were hanging out and like... I don't know. They, I don't think they hooked up, but they were hanging out the whole night. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, oh, Dylan has red stain on his shirt, huh? But then Bliss is like, we, we were. Like, that's why, like, no one was with Aggie. Like, she left with Dylan. But she's mm-hmm. like, the loser guy. Like, and I'm the popular girl's best friend. And then she's really sad that Aggie's dead. Yeah. And then we go to Skylar's point of view. <laughs> And Jack sits down next to her in class, weirdly, like that's not where he usually sits, but he all of a sudden sits down next to her uh, and passes her, well, like, doesn't pass, but like writes a note for her to see that says that Aggie didn't OD, she was murdered. Oh, you think? Yeah, wow. Whoa. (laughs) Big revelation. Yeah, wow. And then we're back to Bliss's point of view. She gets an invite to join the New York Blood Bank Committee, one of New York's oldest charities that only socialites participate in. She's a teenager and she's joining a board for a charity. She's joining the committee. Yeah. This is uh, you usually join when you're around 15 years old. I only know about committees for charities because we've been watching a lot of Real Houses of New York. Yeah. (laughs) And from what I can tell, they are all mid 30s to mid 50s housewives. They say it's the committee, but like basically it's the whole nonprofit. Like they the committee, like it's it's not really a committee structure that she's invited to. There's like a committee within the committee. Mm. And then you find out that Bliss has a little sister named Jordan who's kind of been acting weird the past year. Like she's really kind of socially withdrawn. And then she just kind of walks in. She's like, oh, that Aggie girl was murdered. And Bliss is like, it was an OD. Why do you think it was a murder? And then her like, it's just one of those like kids being creepy situations, you know? I mean, she's probably like 11, but like, so that's on the older side. But, you know, five-year-olds, they come up and they say like, oh yeah, like I see things or like that. And like kids can be unsettling. Extremely unsettling. (laughs) Yes. Another Mayflower entry. Mayflower time. Oh yeah. I don't put down what happens, but you just get another update from Catherine. Um, it flashes back to her diary. Oh, and thank God for that. Yeah, they're settled in. Like, oh. they've made it to Plymouth. Wow. They found the rock. You know, erase the rest of the story. I only want the Mayflower part. <laughs> um, no, no mention of Squanto. Oh, well, so, that's too bad. What about yeah, the first Thanksgiving? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they do have an entry on the first Thanksgiving. Oh, they do? Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, but she uh, clearly either knew Squanto wasn't real or did not even stumble across the myth of Squanto. Anyway, um, then you get a really long description of clothes and buildings that really doesn't back in present day. Like, I've read, I wrote one of the excerpts to Mary. For clothing, it's long-winded, the color, the brand, 
what yeah, specific it article, like, like head-to-toe wardrobe. The denim was woven with 65 threads of cotton and then dyed indigo blue, but then distressed so that they could be seven for all mankind jeans. And then they were folded and crisped and then put into this department store where somebody picked them up and then put them on with a whole knitted sweater that was made not of acrylic, but of 100% cash. Like, it's yeah. so much. Yeah. And like with buildings, it's they talk about the t- types of architecture and like the little design and like what it's built of in every tiny detail. It's so exhausting. So that happens, and then you uh, get the funeral for Aggie. So Mimi's there with her dad and her mom, and then they're sitting pretty close to the dad's mistress. And Mimi says that she knows that marriage is just for keeping money in the family, so it's okay to have affairs. Both her family, both her parents do that. Anyway, so that's what's happening at a funeral. Uh, <laughs> Who invites their mistress to a funeral? Well, this is, it's a community affair. Like, there's tons of people here. Yeah, but still, like, like no, they were like, like the, the mistress was invited on her own. She happened oh, to be there oh, because she's okay. also tied to Aggie. Okay. Yeah. It's, I'm just imagining some guy being like, hey, you want to hey, come to a funeral with me and my wife? Like, and my I two know, kids. Yeah, like, I know we're not, like, having, like, a romantic connection, really. It's, it, but, yeah. you know, I, well, I think it would be nice if you were there. Yeah. So Bliss is a little weirded out because her sister and a ton of other attendees are wearing white. And even Mimi's just like, why is there so much white at a funeral? What? It's like kind of a half-half mix here, but there's like a lot of white. And we get to meet Skylar's grandma. Well, I think we met her earlier, but I didn't put that in here because it wasn't important. Um, so Skylar's grandma, she's named Cordelia. She insists that Skylar call her Cordelia, not grandma. <laughs> she's a pretty cool... I, lo- I love Cordelia. <laughs> she's great. And after the funeral, Cordelia approaches Mimi and Jack's dad, Charles, and has this very cryptic conversation and being like, you know something's happening. You know it's it's happening. Like, I've warned you in the past. And he's like, there's a reason you were cut out of the conclave. You're crazy. It's There's nothing to worry about. And she mentions someone named Gabrielle, and he shut, he's like, don't, don't mention Gabrielle to me. I love a don't even talk about that moment. There's one in pretty much every YA novel. Yeah. So Mimi's just like, what's happening? And then Cordelia sees Mimi and Jack and goes, she's like very like weirdly sweet, like sweet goes, oh, the twins are back together again. Were they separated? No, <laughs> not in this lifetime. Oh, in this lifetime. Okay. <laughs> and then we we find out from Cordelia because uh, someone raises like the question, like, why are people wearing white or uh, maybe actually I think Cornelia's wearing white so Mimi asks her dad why people are wearing white and the response is black is the color of night white is the true color of death what does that mean <laughs> it's Gandalf the white <laughs> I don't know I mean in some cultures white is yeah I know but like colors, these are but, but that Protestant sta- New Yorkers yeah that statement is so black is the color of night white yeah. is the true color of death <laughs> I edgy okay so anyway then we cut to bliss who quickly left the funeral like right when it started because she was having ptsd to her great aunt's funeral and like she's traumatized by this funeral because she just vividly remembers all the attendees like no one was sad everyone's just like it's about time she you know she passed and she was just like so traumatized by how people treated her great aunt so she left and she runs into dylan who's also i don't know if he was invited to the funeral but he's not there and then they decide to go on a date to the met Mm. and she's never seen the egyptian wing of the met so they go there and they start 
making out, and then suddenly... They're making out at the Met? They're making out in the tomb, that Egyptian tomb room. Okay, I don't know if it's, I don't know if they're at the point of making out, but they're kissing in the Egyptian tomb room. And as they're kissing, suddenly she feels like the walls are co- constricting, and she feels the desert sun. And then she she like sees like scarabs running everywhere, and she just freaks out. And then we cut to the Pilgrim Diary. Okay. And this update's just like we're having a great time. We're settled in. People have been having you know a lot of kids. We have we've been blessed with twins and triplets in the colony, so things are looking good. Um, were the Pilgrims really? Could they? ever truly describe their experience as having a good time? Well, when you find out the truth about the pilgrims, <laughs> just wait. So <laughs> wait, there's, wait, like that's in this book? Oh, this is... Um, you there's find a out- truth about the Oof. pilgrims section? Yes! <laughs> so then we, sc- we, we cut to the present and Jack walks up to Skylar at the end of the funeral and she's like, why aren't you taking my message seriously? Like, I told you a girl's murdered and what are you doing? And Skylar's just like, you've never, like, we've never spoken before you told me that this girl was murdered and I'm not the police. <laughs> You're like, what is she supposed to do about it? Yeah. Anyway, so Skylar's been having this skin issue where, like, her veins are, like, very prominently kind of showing through her skin. Like spider veins? Like, or just, like, are they raising up or are they just more opaque? (laughs) I don't have those answers. Okay. Anyway, but her skin's becoming very blue with the veins Ah, okay. Yeah. And her her grandma's just like, oh, like, your dermatologist named Dr. Pat, just go see her she'll fix this. I actually saw a TikTok about this. Like, genuinely, I saw a TikTok from, well, I follow this dermatologist. Oh, yeah. And he was like, oh, if you have these really dark blue veins, there's a procedure where they basically just kill that vein. Oh, they just give her cream to cover it. Okay. Yeah, no, there's no... Well, if you are experiencing this issue, there is a procedure that will fix it. Yeah. So she goes to this dermatologist for the skin issue, and the dermatologist goes, oh, have you been getting dizzy? Have you been feeling like you're in a dream? And then, you know, Skylar's answering these questions. She goes, huh, you know, it's good. You're not having flashback memories yet. And Skylar's just, they're like, I'm just, I just need cream for my face. Who is this doctor? Dr. Pat, who at first I thought was a man, but it's doc- it's then it's a woman. I thought you were going to say Dr. Patch, and then <laughs> this is going to be a crossover. <laughs> with, Hold with that thought. Finish. Hold that thought. So yeah, that weird dermatologist thing happens. Uh, <laughs> and then Mimi's out shopping, and she's kind of wondering what's, she knows the committee is hiding something, but she doesn't know what. And then she runs into this like a hot Italian guy in his 20s and it's just like eh, you're cute and they leave together okay yep and then cut to bliss she's at the dermatologist for a therapy appointment what so <laughs> she's at the dermatologist but she's basically having a therapy appointment where she's talking about what happened at the museum and she's like yeah like once again we're just standing there and then I feel like I have I was in ancient Egypt like I could feel the sun the sand there were scarabs everywhere and next thing I know we're just walking through the American wing together and Dylan didn't think anything was off and n- n- everything was normal And Dr. Pat explains that this is regenerative memory syndrome. And (laughs) Bliss thinks this is a normal human thing, like, when she describes it. But basically what it is, it's just like, oh, you're having, like, very vivid flashbacks to the past. Bliss isn't, like, Bliss is like, all right. So it's a thing a a, a lot of people experience. She goes, a certain group, yeah. And I'm like, Bliss, think through. You're having regenerative memory syndrome to ancient Egypt. And you're also having this discussion with With a a dermatologist. dermatologist. And not, like, if this was a a psychologist, this would bear more weight. But no, she's talking to a dermatologist who's like, yeah, you have regenerative memory disorder. Syndrome. Syndrome. Yes. Whatever. Yeah, anyway. And then the dermatologist is like, don't worry. The committee will explain everything. I know you have your first committee member. Uh, meeting coming up. 
Wait, so this doctor is in connection to the committee? She knows of the committee, yes. So you, it's one of those things where like later you find out her identity and you're like, oh, wow, we didn't realize. So of all the doctors in New York City that she could have gone to, she just happens to No, her her parents refer her the same way Cordelia referred Ah, Skylar. Okay. So these teens are just getting referred to this specific woman. To this special doctor. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so Bliss goes home and she's hungry, but it's this like deep hunger she's never felt before. And she goes to find a snack. Nothing looks good until she finds some raw meat, like oh. raw hamburger meat, and she just goes at it. She eats all this raw hamburger meat, and then her st- stepmom, who I want to say her, she has some very cliche southern name like Bobby Ann or something. I, okay. I want to say her name is Bobby Ann. Okay. So she comes in and she's like, oh, there's some filet mignon in that drawer if you want. And like walks away. Like she's just like, oh, yeah, this is and Bliss is just like, this is normal? She And Bliss is like, I'll keep eating it, I guess. So she just eats the raw meat? Yeah. So, okay, if this was me and I was having this strange craving and all of a sudden I was like, wow, this raw meat looks really delicious, I still wouldn't eat it. Well, it's just like an animalistic okay, like tendency fair. came that's over fair. her. Yeah. And then her mother-in-law, she's her mother-in-law, her stepmom just is like, oh, honey, yeah, if you need some more, like we have some, you know, raw filet mignon. I'm really concerned. And then we get another excerpt from the history on the colonies. Uh, and I forgot to mention that the historian is this guy, um, I forget his first name, but his last name is Van Allen. So it's one of the Van Allen family members who in the like 1800s wrote this history on the colonies. And then we have the 1600s diary entries from Catherine Carver. Mm. So this one is one of those 1800s history. And it's talking about uh, consumption, which is tuberculosis. Yeah, tuberculosis. Yes. Which is really funny because historically consumption was tied to the lore of vampires. Consumption was thought to be caused by uh, the dead consuming the life of their living relatives. So this caused a vampire panic in New England in the 1800s. Mm. These people didn't understand. There's something, I forget the exact detail, but there's some symptom that has to do with how the, like, because they would dig up the bodies and they'd be like, they look weird, but it was really because of, like, how consumption affects the body. Mm. Anyway, so you just get this history about the colonies and it it mentions consumption being an issue that occurred, which is true. A lot of people thought of consumption back then. Yeah. So anyway, that's, you get that excerpt from the Van Allen history. A cut to school, it's career talk day, but career talk today is a modeling agency that tried to recruit Skylar and she's like, no, I don't really want to. And there's like, but you, you're like stick thin, gorgeous. And you know, the way you wear those baggy clothes, you're like no model we've seen before. Can I take a Polaroid of you? And anyway, so Skylar basically is getting recruited by a modeling agency. And so Bliss has finally gotten over the fact that she and Dylan are in different friend groups. And she's like, no, like, I really like him. I want to date him. So she starts talking to Skylar about it. And they become really friendly and start really becoming friends. And Mimi's just like, what the fuck, Bliss? You're with the cool kids. (laughs) Wait, so she thinks that she can't date Dylan because they're not in the same friend group? Well, because Dylan's a loser. Oh, so like they're not in the same social strata. Yes. Okay. Yeah, like Dylan is is just like Skylar and Oliver where he's just fucking weird. And like grungy mm-hmm. alt kid, mm-hmm. and you know she's the most popular preppy girl's best friend. And, well, now that Aggie's dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, now I'm I want to implicate Bliss. She was getting rid of her competition. <laughs> well, TBD. Anyway, oh. so then they're at no, <laughs> then they're at some some party school. I don't know if it's a school dance. They're at some event, and this is where the 181 proof 
alcohol came in, which we established is ever clear. Yeah, I mean, it has to be ever clear. Yeah, so I, they're I drinking. At- so you, Skylar and Oliver are drinking some weird ever clear cocktail thing that Oliver snuck into this party. Uh, and then Jack shows up and they're dancing to like some muse kind of, you know, sexy club song. I don't know. But then we su- listened to the song. We listened to it, <laughs> but I can't remember much. Anyway, so that's what they're dancing to. But suddenly they're in the past. It's like they're in ball gowns and like probably Bridgerton attire and they're waltzing and she's there's like a string quartet playing or something uh, <laughs> and she's like wait what and then we get another Plymouth flashback oh thank god this is how choppy the book narrative I'm is I'm only in it for the Plymouth flashbacks. so what, what happened la- in one of the last flashbacks was that they established that a group of men from Plymouth were going to bring supplies to Roanoke mm. which Roanoke existed from like in like the 1570s to 90s somewhere in there mm-hmm. Plymouth is like the 1620s mm-hmm. Roanoke was gone by this point which yes. is the first thing that infuriated me when I was rereading this but at the end of the book the author has a note where she acknowledges the like true history of Roanoke but I was infuriated because I didn't see that note until I finished reading it and I, so this whole time I'm just like I'm like, I know you're not from America, but if you did any... Re- and clearly, she did enough research that she wrote the note. But I'm just like, why do you need to make this mishup of it, mashup? Ha- well, she had to bring... There had to be the supply run. She had to bring it somewhere. <laughs> and she couldn't... Ju- it had to be somewhere else that people knew about. Yeah. So anyway, at this flashback, you find out that the group who went to Roanoke, they haven't returned. And Catherine says that she's worried and some other people in the colony are worried that the people that they ran away from are here as well among them. So she's really worried. And so for the historians out there, these pilgrims left because they were extremely conservative Protestants and they felt that the other Protestants, and then there was also a rise of Catholicism again, but they thought that everyone else was too liberal. So they like that's why this, the Scroobyshire separatists, aka the Mayflower pilgrims, they left because they were like, people don't see our ways, like we're very strict Christians here. Mm-hmm. So that's the real historical context. So she's just here, like, the people we ran away from, they came. So it's like the Jesuits, but the, the Protestant Jesuits. Oh, God, the Jesuits. <laughs> we ran away from the Jesuits. <laughs> Um, but you'll find out that's not who they actually ran away from. Oh, Spoiler. Really? So Skylar goes to the hospital to visit her mom. Um, so Skylar, the reason she's living with her grandma is her mom is in a coma and has been basically her entire life. But her vitals are so strong that they're like, this woman, it seems like she could wake up any day now. Mm-hmm. But she hasn't. Mm-hmm. And her dad, she doesn't know who her dad is. She was just told that he passed away when she was a baby. Mm -hmm. So she goes to visit her mom in the hospital and she sees a guy sitting in the room with her mom. But when she enters, the guy's not there. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, So then she gets in a fight with Oliver because she's getting close with Jack. And then she also got an invite to the committee meeting. And Mimi's surprised because she has no memories of her from past lives. That's just thrown out there. Mimi just goes like, she's like, why is Skylar here? Like, I have no, like, I have memories of bliss from past lives. Like, obviously Jack. And she's like, but I have no memories of this girl in any of my past lives. No further elaboration from author or anyone else. Yeah, like, not only... A, her having these flash, like not flashbacks, but memories, but Mm -hmm. also like what does that have to do with her coming to the committee meeting? Yeah. So that's like the thing that you're waiting to find out. It's just annoying. 
So then, straight into this committee meeting, the adults in charge reveal that they are vampires, also known as blue bloods. And apparently, they're like, oh, like some signs that you are all coming to like this point, transition point in your life and the vampire life is that probably in the past year or so, a dog kind of just like walked up and kind of adopted itself to you. And apparently, bloodhounds are especially like vampire dogs. And Skylar's like, oh, yeah, like I have a pet bloodhound named Beauty and she just found me one day like last year and wouldn't leave my son. And I'm like, Skylar's the only one. They're like, did anyone have a bloodhound find them? Because it's apparently really prestigious to have that as your pet. And Skylar's the only one. They don't elaborate why that means she's like a sign of vampires. But also they glow in the dark. The dogs? <laughs> no, the people. <laughs> oh, they turn the lights off and it's like part of their power. Like, it's not like they always glow in the dark, but like they show them. They're like, your blood is like glowing. So this author was like, <laughs> let me take Twilight and put it in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like one instant where they're like, they're like, they're glowing. They're like, don't worry. It's like just tied to this thing about vampirism. And then you find out that their blood is thousands of years old from the beginning of time. It's the living database of their immortal consciousness. So they're explaining they're like, basically like our DNA that's like just in our cells and DNA is their blood. That's what makes them who they are. Mm -hmm. Their blood gets reincarnated into different, like their bodies are just meat suits. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which plays into the whole incest thing because they're like, no, like your body doesn't signify anything. It's the blood, your whole identity and consciousness is the blood in your veins. Okay. Yeah. Their physical shell, okay, their body, their meat suit, lasts about 100 years and then they cycle back eventually. It's not like immediate. There's 400 vampires about alive at any given time, but there are a lot more that are in their like hibernation. When a vampire, this is another part that really infuriates me. We'll get to that discussion after I explain. So when these vampires die, all that's left of them is a single drop of blood. And this blood is held onto until they're ready to have their next cycle. How this drop of blood communicates to people that it's time for their next cycle to start, I don't know. Yeah, I'm really, well, I was going to say, like, how does the blood get transferred? Like, how? So they basically, they put it in a little Petri dish and they give it to whatever doctor's in charge. They'd give it to Dr. Pat right now and she'd hold on to it. And then when it's time for that vampire's next cycle, another one of the vampire's will carry the kid through IVF. IVF was a vampire creation. Okay, so, but these, they've been around since the beginning of time. Oh, well, we're getting to their origin. So how did they do the IVF back then? Well, that's what they, like, IVF has actually existed since then, and it became popular with humans in modern times from, that they learned from vampires. That doesn't make any sense. So, well, there's so many technological advancements that had to be made in order for IVF to be possible. Well, it might be just like some weird mythical version of IVF. They don't really give many details. But what's important to know before I go on to more of the life cycle is they tell the the new recruits, including Skylar, that they're all fallen angels. So that they're from like the beginning of time, basically, because they were angels in heaven. But... They fell with Lucifer. And so, because <laughs> they're going over like the lore of vampires and like red blood human con- like context. And they're like, oh, like a vampire with a sense of humor started the whole Dracula myth. Uh, but like the whole, the reason that, you know, there's like, oh, like vampires can't deal with crucifixes is that crucifixes just are like kind of make them sad because it reminds them of their origin and how they were angels. But because of mistakes they made and sins, they fell. Which, (laughs) this happened way before Jesus. (laughs) So I have a lot of questions. 
I'm like, yes, I know. Like, this is what now is associated with their religion. But like, they didn't know. The, like, they yeah, didn't the timeline doesn't match up. Yeah, we'll get more into this later because you find out a lot more about the fallen angels. Then they teach them the do's and don'ts of drinking blood, full consumption. Remember consumption TV. Yeah. So full consumption, which is draining a human's body completely, is taboo. And then it's back to the uh, angel stuff for a second. So the re- the goal of blue bloods is to cycle through continuously until a point where God is going to forgive them and bring them back to heaven. So they're basically here to repent and earn their way back into heaven. Mm-hmm. By being vampires. Well, vampires is just like what a fallen angel is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. when they fell out of heaven, it's not like they were like, we're so, becoming vampires. It's they okay. existed as okay. vampires. Okay. Yeah. Skylar's just like, this is all fucking lie. Like, you guys are trying to con me. Like, what is this? An MLM scheme? <laughs> no, this is absolutely reeks of a cult. Yeah. And then Jack proves it to her by showing her, like, h- how to expand her fangs. And she does. And she's like, holy fuck, I got vampire fangs. And you find out that vampire means fire angel in old tongue. Old tongue. You know that good old language, old tongue. <laughs> Old tongue. Yeah, so that's like uh, the vampire lore. Like, that's why I was saying with Gabby, like, she really tried to do something with the vampire lore that didn't work. And I'm, I'm comparing it to what George Lucas did with the prequels, where the Force. It, like, you know, it existed. Everyone loved it. It was this mythical thing. Like, you didn't think too hard about it. It was just, you know, the natural way in mm-hmm. the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. The same way, like, vampire lore, like, it's well-established, even though it's, like, kind of ridiculous in a lot of books. But, like, it's that w- established lore that everyone accepts. And then George Lucas with the Force in the prequels was like, all right, let me figure out the scientific explanation and teach you what the Force is and show the, like, and totally fucked up. It did not work. Like, the fucking, the, the midichlorians. I was about to say mitochondria. I was like, mitochondria. That's what they're the based off. Of the cell. That's what they're based, that's what they're supposed to be. I know. Well, Shay did a whole, our other friend did a whole PowerPoint about them. Yeah, right. I forgot about that. So I see, like, that fucking up the Force and turning it into weird details that don't need to be happened as, what? What Melissa is doing to vampire lore here, where she's like, oh, IVF and the cycling through in this. Yeah, because, like, I mean, Stephanie Meyer gets a lot of heat for, like, just messing with vampire lore, but this th- this is worse, yes. in my opinion. And I'm no Twilight defender. Yeah. But, like, really, fallen angels, IVF, mm-hmm. one drop of blood somehow has a consciousness. Yeah. Um, And in the middle of all this confusion and just bad times bliss has a flashback to a past life where she sees mimi getting married to jack in their past lives and so they always uh, like they don't really specify like do they look exactly alike in all their past lives or does she just know it's them because she's like it looked like mimi so i'm like wait do you guys always look like this because people change like anyway evolution like people were a lot shorter in the plymouth times and that wasn't even when you guys started you guys started back and like we're we're halfway through my notes right now, and this is how chaotic it is. So we get more details about uh, this blue bloods vampire lore. Vampires do have the choice to not, well, like when you hit like the hundred year mark, to not die. Basically, like I think a lot of them choose to. I don't know. It's really weird. You can choose to extend a cycle, and they call them end mortals. E n mortal mm-hmm. end mortals. And Skylar's grandma is not an end mortal, but she should have cycled long, long ago. But she's still around like mm-hmm. she's so she's like all of the old right now mm-hmm. in the vampires she finds out that it's because of whatever happened to skylar's mom 
that caused her to be uh, in a hospital. But you also, there are no familial relationships in this blue blood society. They go through this whole explanation. They're like, because we're all just fallen angels and like these are just meat suits. So like human genetics and that family dynamic doesn't really exist. The only reason they keep these families is to keep their wealth in one group of people. I'm just wondering like, so why do they keep it a secret from these kids until they're 15 or whatever? Because that's when they start remembering and unlocking. So in the life cycle, 15 is like when you hit this. Uh, I forget the term for it, but it's when you're like becoming a vampire. You like activate. Yes. But so I they s- they technically could tell them beforehand, but they don't. I think part like they just don't. It's just like a rite that, of passage. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It's like very shocking and traumatic to be like, oh, I'm actually a vampire this whole time, and you're all also vampires. Yeah, it and doesn't make any sense. Not to tell me because it would be a much easier transition if you knew that this was coming. And yeah. Then, like they're just weirdly integrated in human society. And yeah. Then all of a sudden, like, no, you can't do all these things mm-hmm. that you like to do anymore because you're actually a vampire. And you you kind of, they don't directly address it, but you piece together that this is all kind of what Mimi meant when she said to Jack, like, oh, why are you acting like it's taboo for me to touch you? Like, pretty soon, you know, I'm going to be like a not me or like a different person or whatever she said. And it's because right now in their early transition, they still have that mentality of, oh, were twin brother and sister, which we will get into more. Like it's they're still twins, even in the angel level of the world. But anyway, mm-hmm. she's like, but the, because once they reach kind of the next maturity point in the vampire cycle, it's when they fully remember all their past lives and they kind of wake up into who they truly are. And that's when they'll kind of realize and be comfortable with the fact that they're not really brother and sister. Sure, if we're looking at the human perspective, that's their those are their parents that raised them. And there was the IVF situation. Mm-hmm. But it's really like there's no true family. <laughs> well, so now I'm confused, too, about the whole twin situation and the IVF. Because so was did someone just carry two babies? They don't. At least in the first book, they don't they don't talk about that. But you do find out like the reason why they're referred to as twins, even in the vampire world, is because they they're twin angels. Okay. So they may they might have been they like somehow their IVF clearly made the, like somehow work that they were both carried by their mom. I'm guessing, but and like wait, so is the mom who carries them also a vampire, or is this like a surrogate situation? Oh, it's all in the blue blood community. Okay, so it's just like a rant. Like humans are not involved with them at okay. all. You like they can't. They rarely are able to even conceive with humans. Okay, so like humans couldn't do that. It has to be the fallen angel vampire. Skylar's getting lunch now with her grandma to you know debrief on everything Skylar just learned. Skylar asks questions about you know her dad and mom like because she's learning about all this like how it works. She's like, okay, so who's my dad? And Cordelia is just very shady like not addressing the question at all mm-hmm. and doesn't want to talk about it and when she like what happened to my mom she's like your mom just she made a choice wasn't probably the best choice but she made a choice for herself and that's how she ended up in the hospital she's like, you don't get any any information she's being very she's being very secretive and does not want to tell Skylar anything about why her mom who's supposed to be this like immortal vampire is in a coma and vampires aren't, you know, supposed to die until the like they don't truly die. Like mm-hmm. they're they. She's like, so like, my what's up with my dad? Like, what's in her mom, her vampire mom is in a human hospital. Um, it might be a vampire hospital, but I don't think it is. Um, <laughs> you find out that like blue bloods, they're basically running everything, so they couldn't. They have the money, they have the influence that like they probably have a vampire nurse who's like dedicated to her. Mm-hmm. Like they. They've been around since the beginning of time. Like, they run New York. Nothing happens that isn't 
tied to the vampires, basically. Okay, Real Houses of New York, which one do you think is a blue blood? Hmm. What do you think? I mean, my first thought was Why? Luann, but I missed <laughs> that pretty quickly. She makes she fits like what they're like in society. Yeah. All I can think was Alex because that one incident where they called her a vampire. Yeah. Or honestly, I could see Ramona. Ramona, yeah. Well, I think Ramona fits because Cordelia explains blue bloods are actually losing influence now, and most of them aren't following tradition. There's people like Bobby Ann who's like not the classy vampire you expect her to be like she's like running a muck texas lifestyle mm-hmm. so Ram- ramona could fit as one of them who's just like whatever let's just have yeah. a party uh-huh. drink pinot grigio uh and then you also find out that the vampire code says vampires can never take blood from a human without the human's consent and traditionally vampires wait until they and the human are both 18 or older but underage sucking is on the rise they they say underage oh sucking also i changed my answer it's sonia <laughs> yes. <laughs> Underage sucking, though. That's why do they call it that? I don't like that at all. Like, it's not like officially, but that's in that one sentence. It's, Ugh, it's Scholar's perspective. Yeah. So anyway, Scholar goes back to the hospital uh, and she sees that same man and hears him, you know, crying and asking for forgiveness. And then like in her mom's room. But when she goes in again, he's gone. Uh, then you find out Skylar lands a modeling deal from Career Talk Day. Even though she didn't want to model. Yeah. And so she and Bliss are doing some jean brand modeling thing together. She gets a huge makeover and she realizes she looks just like her mom. Wow. She's never realized how much she looked like her mom. But, you know, she looks just like her and she's pretty and it's like looks like one of the normal students instead of the weird indie girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just have their, their photo shoot and uh, Skylar's walking home and she suddenly feels a like dark dangerous energy behind her like someone's following her and then this dark large creature with crimson eyes attacks her but her her dog beauty the bloodhound he goes or she i guess she she goes and attacks and protects skylar and the thing runs away wow plymouth diary Catherine finds out that everybody who went to Roanoke disappeared. All that was left was a message on the tree that said Croden. Croden? This is this is when I lost it. Croden. This is when I lost it, Mary. Can you spell that for me, please? I have a whole deep dive ready. C-R-O-A-T-A-N. So, as a history nerd I am. This is the name of the Native American tribe that was living near the Roanoke colony. However, the message, 100% histor- historians know it was Croatoan, yeah. which was the name of the island nearby. Yeah. But, you know, people think that maybe it was actually the Croton tribe that they went to, which is one of the more leading theories. But nowhere does it say the tree might have said Croton. And throughout the whole book, it's Croton. That is the message that was on this tree. And in that uh, author's note at the end, when she says, you know, Roanoke was actually 1500s and they disappeared. But historically, the message Croton was found on the tree. So in her research... She got the date right, but the she message got She wrong. found out the date, but she messed up the word. And any editors either thought that she did this as a choice... Or just, also missed this. Yeah, just didn't notice. Yeah. And this is this, this is one of the points where I was just like, I have my number one issue more than the incest. <laughs> the <Croton. laughs> this, I, this bothers me more than the incest. This, this missed, like, oh, it's Croatoan. And it's not even just in American history now. It's used in Supernatural. Like, uh, it's used in like, a lot of shows and books and stuff. So the fact that 
It got past the author, past editors, into publishing. They, it just, it drives me insane. Anyway, so the Plymouth Diary with this misspelling, that message was there. So Catherine's freaking out. They're like, oh no, they found us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly this message means something to Catherine back in the Plymouth days. Back to modern day. Mimi's at a party that Skylar and Bliss and a bunch of other people are supposed to go to um, the night of the photo shoot. And she's considering doing... So when you find a human as your familiar, Mm -hmm. it's called the sacred kiss when you just suck their blood for the first time. They Mm -hmm. call it the sacred kiss. So Mimi, and I guess a familiar can only be tied to one vampire Mm -hmm. at a time at least. So Mimi's just like at this party and she's mad at Skylar for associating with Dylan and like being obnoxious and like not a high class. So Mimi's like, yeah, maybe I'll do the sacred kiss on Dylan so Bliss can't have him. I don't like Dylan, but like, I do like fucking with people. I hate this girl. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So Skylar shows up. She's like, holy fuck, Jack, you'll never believe what happened. And she explains like her attack and he reveals that something is hunting blue bloods, but the committee is hiding that from the new recruits. But there's clearly something happening. Mm-hmm. He also reveals that he has casually tried to kill himself several times to see if the committee was lying about immortality, <laughs> which is why she saw him get hit by a cat at the beginning of the book. He literally was just like, let's see, casual death wish. Yeah. But it's more like he was just doing it. He was like, I know we couldn't die, but like Aggie was a vampire and she's dead, like dead, dead. She's not recycling. Mm-hmm. She's actually dead. That's not supposed to be happening to us. The the higher-ups are hiding something. And he says, this is the first time a vampire has been extinguished. And we cut back to the Plymouth Diaries. The Conclave is trying to decide what to do with this whole Roanoke Croatoan issue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And there is fear that, quote, one of them is hidden among the settlers. Uh, Miles Standish is very adamant that He doesn't want to run away again. He wants to stay where they are because there's no proof that Roanoke was overtaken by Croatoan. Mm -hmm. They don't explain what Croatoan is. Don't worry. That's not not yet. They just leave it at that. Cut Mm -hmm. back to the party. Bliss finds Dylan before Mimi can suck his blood. And she's like, I'm going to hook up with this guy and suck his blood. And so she takes him. It's at Bliss's house. I don't know why Bliss wasn't at the party yet when Mimi was, but they're like at Bliss's house. Oh. I'm pretty sure because her dad shows up. But anyway. <laughs> he, and, and she like party. she brings him to her room, so <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So Bliss invites Dylan back to their room and they start making out and, you know, she's getting naked. And this is when we find out she's wearing a Casabella thong. And I don't, the author just loves her brand names. And our friend Gabby also read this and we both just, Casabella thong just lives in our head now. (laughs) It gets spicy. They're hooking up. Like he clearly thinks they're going for sex. Like she's clearly thinking she's just going to suck his blood. Yeah, obviously he's not thinking this is going to be a blood suck situation. Yeah, but like she's also missing the point where you're supposed to ask for consent. Yeah, there's a Because lot. he doesn't know he's about to get his blood sucked. Like she's like, her fangs around and he's just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get laid. But then they get uh, interrupted by these two sophomores who are like, oh no! Oops, we didn't mean to come in here when you guys were doing this. And then Bliss's dad shows up and is like, who is this kid? Classic. Like, he's just like, son, who are you? And Dylan, she's like, oh, fuck. She's like, we weren't going to have sex. I was just going to drink his blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, murder investigators Jack and Skylar are trying to figure things out. And Jack reveals that another young blue blood died the previous summer. So really the only time that blue bloods are vulnerable 
even they're not supposed to be able to, you know, be extinguished, but they're most vulnerable during this teen phase when they're first unlocking memories mm-hmm. because they really don't know what's going on. They don't have the centuries of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So that's why whatever's hunting them is targeting the vulnerable youth. Mm-hmm. And Jack says that he's been having these like flashbacks to the Plymouth days and something to do with Croatoan, but no one will tell him what that means. And it's like very vague memories and no one else seems to know what what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. So he's convinced the elders are hiding something and they start making out and Mimi walks in (laughs) and she's like, Bliss's dad showed up. We got a scram. Like the John Mulaney party bit where he he takes the perfume and he's like, scram. (laughs) And so they're all like, we gotta go. Oh no, the senator knows that we're underage vampires doing whatever we're partying. Ah! Skylar goes to the bank where she knows that Oliver's going to be hanging out and she apologizes and she's like, look, you're my best friend. Like, I'm sorry we had this falling out and that I ditched you to hang with Jack that one time. And he's like, oh, we're good. You're my best friend. And and she's like, I I need to tell you something. I'm a, and he goes, oh, I already know you're a vampire. Oh my God. (laughs) Oliver's the best. He's like every, no matter how bad a book is, there's always that saving grace character. Uh Uh-huh. It's Oliver. And he's like, come with me. And she, he brings her downstairs. And this is where there's a door that says, Ingredior Percipio Animus, which I'm I'm really rusty, but for my Latin knowledge, is something to do with like, I learned to enter the soul or like, I understand entering the soul. And like, I, I really struggled to understand what this was supposed to be saying. It's not like a, I was like, maybe it's like a Roman idiom, but I couldn't find it. The only references was quotes from this book. And then Google Translate had something that was like very interpretive. I forget what it was. But anyway, there's a Latin phrase on this door. I bring this up because there's another Latin phrase that I correctly translated and know she just straight up butchered later in the book. So this room is the repository of history for blue bloods. So Oliver is also a blue blood? So he shows her an old family tree that shows how their families are connected. He is a conduit, a red blood human caretaker for the blue bloods. His family has served the Van Allen family for centuries, even before the Van Allens were the Van Allens. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Pat, the dermatologist, therapist, blood bank, is his aunt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, most blue blood families don't use conduits anymore. Part of the thing where Cordelia said tradition has been dying. So they're like one of the last families that has a conduit. Mm-hmm. And Oliver was essentially born for the sake of serving Skylar. Skylar's two months older, so... I guess when they were like, hey, this, well, I can't go into a lot of details actually about that yet, but when when it was known that Skylar was going to be coming around, what I'm guessing happened is then Oliver's parents were like, we got to have sex. <laughs> we got to conceive. We need a kid to watch out for this other kid. Baby time. Baby Let's time. Let's go. So he's supposed to serve as an advisor and help guide her, which is why when they were in line for the club, he was like, wanted to help her test her blue blood powers and was like, oh, just, you know, positive thoughts manifest the fact that he'll let us in mm. and he was like because you know the kind of mind control Jedi mind trick thing is a rare gift but he was like I, you have it and I was just like you know wanted to see if it would work mm-hmm. so Oliver's like yeah uh, this is our library of the histories of the blue bloods and Skylar tells Oliver about everything she and Jack have been investigating mm-hmm. and then it cuts to Mimi 
Mimi's pissed because Jack was making out with a girl that's not her, and Jack should only be making out with Mimi. There's a deep dive into this twin says thing later. Don't worry, we'll get there. Anyway, so Mimi storms into the office, uh, her dad's office, with Jack. It's like, Dad, I have no memories of Skylar in any of my past lives, even Plymouth. Like, this girl's clearly not really a blue blood. Like, why is she in the committee? Jack shouldn't be fraternizing with her. Tell us the truth. And Jack's like, Mimi, you're crazy. I had a memory with Skylar. And Mimi and Jack's dad, Charles, goes, Mimi's right. She really isn't a blue blood. Oh, my God. Yeah. She is, they don't use the term, but she's a Nephilim. <gasps> Ring the bell for Nephilim. Ding, 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 ding. ding. <laughs> so her mom, the vampire, yeah. had an affair with her human familiar <gasps> and actually conceived, oh, which is rare for it to shit. happen. But that happened. So Skylar is technically new blood. And it's just that her mom was one of the top tier vampires best of the best and her so her blood is so strong that a lot of kind of like her genetic code that passed to Skylar caused Jack to have this memory that's technically a memory of of him and the mom Ah. yeah and so Jack is like oh my god this woman that I had flashbacks of pursuing throughout history it isn't Skylar it's her mom Skylar's not hot single mom (laughs) it's a hot single mom and he's like, Skylar, you know, she's basically a red blood because she's not centuries old, like, because blood's their identity. So he's freaking yeah. out. Like, he's like, she isn't who I thought she was. Mm-hmm. So he's a crisis. Yeah. So when they get the explanation of the, like, the fact that a human and a vampire together can technically conceive sometimes. Mm-hmm. Jack was confused because he's like, vampires, we can't really conceive. And I wrote down this quote because I was just like, what is happening? Charles says, we cannot create new life. We merely carry the spirits of those who have passed in a new embryonic form through in vitro fertilization. Our women are implanted with the seed of an immortal consciousness so that it can take on a new physical shell. So that's when you find out this IVF is how since the beginning of time, essentially, or so, since the fall of the angels. This is where I'm so confused. Yeah. Like, do they create an embryo? Like, it's, do they just like, I, I guess the they technically don't like, need it. Be- I don't know. Well, they, they don't they explain need, it. They need, they need material in order to create the, yeah. the what, what they call a meat suit. It makes no sense. So like, where, where does that come from? There's no explanation. That's why I wrote down the quote itself. Cause I read that. And I was just like, what, what does this mean? How does this work? It doesn't. And then Charles is casually like, oh, yeah, Skylar, she might have to be killed by the conclave for reasons I'm not telling you. But because she's this like, I mean, it's that she's is this like a Renesmee situation? No, like this being shouldn't exist. So we have to. Um, They don't give details here uh, about what actually at the end of the book, they kind of do. But it isn't it's not the reason Skylar might be killed. You find out it has nothing to do with the fact that she's a Nephilim. It has to do with other reasons. <laughs> this girl just cannot catch a break. Yeah. Jack and everyone keeps referring to him and Mimi as twins, even though they're clearly been married in all their past lives. They're still called, and then you find out why. Jack also raises the Aggie thing, and the dad's like, don't worry, we've basically solved that. And like um, the human people. So, okay, this is where I'm confused. Yeah. So I just need to get this timeline down. So mm-hmm. she dies. I'm assuming she was then just picked up by blue blood affiliated people. Mm-hmm. 
But like the club owner, like nobody's like, hey. Well, you remember the repository is under the the club. And okay, so you find out. So Studio 54 is totally blue blood territory. You find out. Okay. Okay. So that and then the club next door, the kind of con, not, it's not like the conduit equivalent, but like that's where the conduit's headquarter is and like the library. So those two clubs, they're like sister clubs. You find out, you know, they're totally different. Okay. Yeah. I was just trying to figure out like this. Yeah. So basically anybody who dealt with Aggie when she died knew that she was a vampire and what was happening. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Down. So days pass and really nothing happens. And then suddenly Dylan is arrested on suspicion of murdering Aggie. <gasps> Not Dylan. Skylar, Oliver, and Bliss are convinced he's being framed. Is he and, being framed? I mean, Bliss's dad is a senator with connections who walked in on Dylan trying to have sex with his daughter. <laughs> it sounds, seems like a Texan New Yorker dad thing to do. I'm sure Cuomo... <laughs> What frames a guy from for murder if he if he crossed his daughter? No, I think he would just beat him up himself. Yeah, fair. He is from Queens. Yeah, he's. This isn't. Yeah, like that's the old money rich. Yeah, true. Yeah, right. A Ken. This is the Kennedy method. Yeah. So Skyler goes to Jack and is like, "This is crazy. Like, clearly he didn't do it because Dylan's human, and we like what we figured out." And Jack is being really rude and, like, won't deal with Skylar. Like, he really took this news hard and doesn't want to associate with her anymore. So, finally, Bliss is just like, oh, I'm actually Dylan's alibi. It takes her a while to remember that she's his alibi. Like, they were together the entire mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Like, he could not have murdered Aggie. Um, so, they go to his house to talk to his parents. And the family moved out abruptly yesterday. And they find none of them knew anything about his life outside of school. Like, they always hung out. At Skyler or Oliver's or the club, or he went to Bliss's house when they were hanging out. And they found out that he is extremely rich. They were at like a $5 million Tribeca penthouse type situation. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they're all like, well, I guess we didn't really know too much about him, huh? Even though he's one of our best friends. Yeah, I almost had sex with him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, almost sucked his blood. Yeah, well, yeah. So then they're like, okay, let's go back to the repository. There must be a clue there because that has the history of the Blue Bloods. They find Catherine's diary <gasps> that talks about Croatoan. I will not, I cannot deal with the fact that it's Croatan. Anyway, they uh, they find the message. <laughs> I never will recover from this. They find the, the, the message that says, like, they have found us. So clearly something has been hunting Blue Bloods since they came to America. Mm -hmm. And then there's a reference about a vote and, like, how Miles wanted to stay. Mm -hmm. And they see, because, like, since this is technically a library, they can see who checked out these books. Mm -hmm. The last person to look into this was Cordelia. And she's right. She's in Nantucket, but she gets back tomorrow. So they're like, look, we can't prove Dylan's own since no one's listening to us. We're going to break him out of jail. Uh, And then it cuts to the next day. Skylar's asking her grandma and is like, what's Croatoan? And she finds out. Her grandma, Cordelia, is actually Catherine Carver. We've been reading her diaries. Oh, my God. Cordelia. Yeah. So why did she go by Cordelia? Well, so clearly, at some, point they, at some point, they changed the family names that they kept, but it doesn't say why. Like, when they were in Plymouth, there were these names, and now they're the Van Allen family, but they're not really a family. I guess when they moved to New York, we're like, we need to establish units, mm-hmm. and that's what happened anyway. But she, in a previous life, was Catherine Carver. Well, you also find out that, like, Jack was... Uh, Louis Dorlan, Dorlane, whatever. Don't know him. Uh, a French, French historic guy. Uh, so, like, why do they keep changing their names, though? Well, when you're living in France, you need a fitting name. 
but they for some reason when they they've settled in New York and they've really kept their name like the family name at least. Mm-hmm. But I guess you know it's a chance. Like technically, I think the parent the IVF parents pick their name. Yeah, I guess. So. I, well, yeah, I guess it makes sense. You can't just like it's just a way to have same. fun. And you're, you're, they're they're less traditional now, so they're probably like trendy baby names that they pick and stuff. <laughs> so anyway, Cordelia reveals that Croatoan means silver blood. So. After Lucifer and the angels were banished from heaven and became blue bloods, a small group broke off with Lucifer because they didn't want to regain heaven's favor. They're like, no, fuck heaven. We fuck shit up for a reason. We're staying out of there, as Lucifer and his friends (laughs) do. Yeah. (laughs) So Lucifer and his gang found out that by doing the sacred kiss on vampires instead of humans, uh, it makes vampires stronger. Full consumption of a vampire, though, it brings that soul into the vampire's body. So they have all these other souls living in like memories in their mind. And so it can kind of drive them a little crazy, but it also makes them stronger. Mm -hmm. So this is where I was just like, wow, full metal alchemist. Yeah, my mind immediately went to... It went to to, like Father and and Van Ho and how they're like the human (laughs) philosopher's stones and have those lives in them. Yeah, I immediately went to the full metal alchemist philosopher's stone. Yeah, that so that's like basically vampires can become their own philosopher's stone extremely strong. They can be they're, they're Lucifer's trying to become father from Full Metal Alchemist. He's a huge otaku. <laughs> Should we write a book where Lucifer is an otaku? That sounds like a manga. Yeah. The devil is an otaku. Yeah, I'll the devil's a part-timer. Yeah, devil's a part-timer or um yeah, the only other one that comes to mind is how not to summon a demon lord. <laughs> I still don't know what that's about. Does any well, it's about how not to summon a demon lord. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. I guess, yeah. So anyway, these silver bloods and Lucifer throughout history have been fighting the blue bloods because they're like, no, we're st- we want to get back to heaven. We need to regain God's favor. You're evil. So basically, major conflicts throughout history were actually conflicts between these two groups, specifically like ancient Roman wars they referenced with Kalila are uh, the fight between this group. And so finally, they were like, look, we can't risk them destroying us. We're fleeing to the new world on the Mayflower. Mm -hmm. But Cordelia and a couple others were like, we think one of them infiltrated us. Mm -hmm. Like someone among us is a silver blood and came with us, which is why people disappear at Roanoke and why these things are still happening. Mm -hmm. But Charles, the force father, Mm -hmm. so in in his past life, he was Miles Standish. So he's, since the colony, he's been like, no, we escaped the silver bloods. Cordelia, you need to calm down. And he basically, Cordelia was one of the highest level blue bloods in charge of everything. But when this whole thing went down, at Plymouth, Charles and the people loyal to him managed to get her in like no position of authority, and he took over and was just like, "There are no silver bloods any like they're they're gone. Mm-hmm. They're, we don't have to worry about them." Mm-hmm. And Cordelia's just like denials a strong, a strong influence on people, so that's why blue bloods don't even realize silver bloods exist anymore. Like we've basically blocked them from our memory, and they've become myth. Mm-hmm. And Cordelia assumes that a powerful silver blood has returned and is recruiting new disciples. And a lot of times when vampires become silver bloods they don't even realize it like mm-hmm. it's kind of Jekyll and Hyde almost mm-hmm. where like <laughs> this other side of them takes over mm-hmm. um, so she's like that's why some of, there could be someone in the committee who's a silver blood and they don't know that they're out there attacking people mm-hmm. because this really strong silver blood is controlling them mm-hmm. Skylar's mom when she at some point was looking into this as well discovered that silver bloods are still bound to the laws of heaven and the sacred language Okay, the word of God <laughs> uh, and then Cordelia whispers something to Skylar and we don't know what it is. 
committee meetings restart and they're planning the 400 ball, which is their big Christmas formal. And uh, Skylar tells Jack what she knows and he still wants nothing to do with her and is like, no, it's nothing. My dad's work, like they're working on it. Leave me alone. Yeah. You peasant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so then the amazing squad of Skylar, Bliss, and Oliver ambush Charles when he's going out to lunch at some nice hotel. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we know everything. We know you're keeping this and the Silver Bloods are back. And he's like, oh, Cornelia's crazy. Stop listening to her. He's very like, no, I'm not listening to you children. I'm running this. I'm Miles Standish, bitch. <laughs> So they're at the Carlisle Hotel, and this is when they have the discussion of, like, should we go on a New York hotel bar nut tour? Like, Oliver's just like, all these hotels have great bar nuts. Like, some of them have, like, wasabi peas. Like, we should. How does he know this? <laughs> he's also 15. Yeah, but he, and he's not. He doesn't have the influence power, no. But he's also, yeah, like, he's just a normal human being. Yeah. It's not like he has, like, past memories. I guess of, when like, you're, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he just knows. He just he knows just, this. He just has heard tell of the legendary <laughs> bar nuts specifically at he just walks up and he's bars. just like can I sit here and just eat the nuts and they're like technically no and he's like I just want the nuts but like are hotel bars known for their bar nuts um he lists a bunch of hotels and their specific bar nuts that they have on the menu I mean I work for a bar we don't but have you're nuts. not a, these are like five star hotels but why that's what I'm saying they wouldn't have just like nuts that's why he's like they're it's like whatever their equivalent of bar nuts are like the wasabi peas and like the this and that and whatever yeah anyway I feel like bars don't do that anymore generally well they do in this book and then they figure out uh, Bliss like manages to figure out where Dylan's being held through her vampire powers like she manages to like I don't know if it's telepathy somehow she figures it out he's being held in a hotel room at the Carlisle (gasps) so they bust into the room he's gone he either escaped or someone let him out he was taken to a secondary location (laughs) god he's dead now (laughs) secondary location Locations. Got your money clip. <laughs> go get it. <laughs> Throw him off his rhythm. So they go their separate ways to meet up later, and a silver blood attacks Skylar. Jack intervenes and is like fighting the silver blood. Skylar wards him off with whatever word of God thing her grandma told her, and it reveals his true form, and it's Charles. They see <gasps> Charles there, and Jack's like, no, it can't, it, no, 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 no. Like, he, his mind is like, no. My my father, who's not really my father, but he is my father, <laughs> it can't be him. And Skylar's like, all right, well, where would your dad be right now? He might not know it's him because he could be possessed by a really strong silver blood. And he's like, oh, like, my dad goes to visit some someone at the hospital a lot. I'm not really sure. He's just always at this hospital. And, and Skylar's like, what hospital? And it's like, it's the mom's. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, it's the mom's hospital. It's the mom. So, so she's just like, oh, that stranger who I keep seeing. And then he disappears. It's been Charles all along. Mm-hmm. So they confront him. And they're like, we know it's you. And he's like, it can't be me. Throws back the sleeve. He has a golden sword tattoo on his wrist. It's the mark of an archangel. <gasps> an archangel? Like Patch. Oh, I forgot about Patch. I don't know if I established that he was an archangel, but he was. Patch in, in Hush Hush was an archangel. If you hadn't listened to episode one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a journey. This doesn't make any sense to you. Anyway, he's not just an archangel. He's Michael. 
He's Michael. He's Michael. So the a golden tattoo of a sword. Right, that's the mark of an archangel. That's the mark of an archangel. Why is that the mark of an or, archangel? Or, I mean, it, it might be that each archangel has their own mark, but that signifies that he is an archangel. Okay. So archangels can't be tainted by silver blood because they're just such a high level of being. Because they have golden blood? <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, so Charles and Michael is like, yes. And like Jack is like, oh no, like archangel, I'm so sorry. So like, he, wait, so he's... Archangel Michael, who he's a fallen angel. Okay, so I'll I'll just explain this now. Two archangels, one of them being Michael, voluntarily left heaven with the blue bloods to help guide them through their repentance and like journey back to heaven. Okay, like they were like, sure, we are God's children or whatever the angels' relation to God are. <laughs> And we will guide you. And even though this happened in the Old Testament, it's very New Testament God because he's not just smiting everyone. Yeah, no, if this, this is, is Old very- Testament, he'd be like, all right, Old Testament, a- he'd be like, time for a flood. Shot you all dead. <laughs> but he's like, no, like, you can be forgiven and welcome back into my kingdom. So we'll, we'll get into more of why Michael decided to come out of heaven with this group later. Mm-hmm. So Charles is like, don't worry, Dylan is safe and in hiding where he can't hurt anyone. And they're like, what do you mean? Who's Dylan going to hurt? He's just some human you're framing. And Charles goes, Dylan's a blue blood. And he's like, not all blue bloods come to our committee meetings. Like, there are other ones out there. Some of them are lazy. So, Bliss has been dating this guy and hasn't had any flashbacks to the fact that he's also a blue blood. She was going to accidentally turn herself into a silver blood because she was like, I'm going to drink this human's blood and didn't ask for his consent. Well, Mimi was going to do it too. Dylan? Mimi was going to... Oh, Mimi. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Like, none of them... None of them had memories of Dylan for some reason, but he is a blue blood. Like, none of them have at least had so, triggered memories. So this is not suspicious for Dylan, but it was suspicious for Skylar. Yes. But no one brings up the fact that no one had memories. They're just like, oh, he didn't come to the committee mem- meeting, so I guess we didn't realize he was a blue blood. And Dylan is not just a blue blood, but uh, they're like 95% sure he did kill Aggie. Mm. So Skylar is like, so you admit, silver bloods are back. And Charles goes, no. Like... <laughs> Sir, how are you denying this? And he goes, Dylan might just be off the rails, and he like is making it look like he's a silver blood, but he's just off the rails. But he's just murdering for fun. Yeah. Um. Apparently, sometimes uh, blue bloods get dementia, and you can have silver blood like <laughs> behavior. But Dylan's also a young vampire, so okay. So Charles is just in straight denial. Yeah. Like he's just too proud to admit that Cordelia since right. the 1600s he's been wrong. Yeah. And then they're like, "All right, but like, where are you keeping Dylan?" He's like, "Oh, the Carlisle." And they're like, "Oh, he's not yeah, there, not anymore." <laughs> and Charles freaks out and it's like, "That's not good." So cut to Bliss. Bliss has a crazy nightmare. And then you find out that before this nightmare, Dylan was at her house. Like when she got back from the hotel incident, he was in her room and Dylan's freaking out and he seems like kind of sick. And he's just like, I think something's wrong with me. Like I'm having like these weird moments where I don't remember things. And I also I feel like I attacked Skylar, but I don't know why I would have or when that happened. And I think I killed Aggie. He's freaking out. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that it's like Cordelia said, he doesn't realize he's a silver blood. Yeah. And so Bliss is like, oh, no, my boyfriend, he's kind of going crazy. I'm sure you're fine. You didn't kill her. Yeah, just sleep it off. It's it's fine. And this is when Bliss finds out he's a vampire and she doesn't have any she's just like oh like she doesn't think like oh I almost drank your blood or oh like why don't I know this already she's just like oh wow you're a vampire and so 
they're just like, hey, clearly, if you are attacking people, you're not in control. Like, something's happening. And then she blacks out. <laughs> and she wakes up after her nightmare. And she has a bruise on her neck that looks like almost like someone was trying to strangle her. And then she goes into her bathroom. And there's shards of glass in Dylan's jacket. And his jacket is covered in blood. And Jordan comes in, the little sister. Mm-hmm. And she's freaking out. And she's like, I heard somebody. And she's like, oh, it was Dylan. She goes, no, it wasn't him. It was some other scary boy. Something bad was here. Bliss is like, holy shit like something whatever is like using Dylan Mm -hmm. came potentially killed him like this is a lot of blood in his jacket and Mm -hmm. tried to finish me off too but my nightmare and my parents coming to see why I was screaming scared the attacker off Mm -hmm. Skylar then arrives home and she feels a really negative presence again in her Mm -hmm. home so she freaks out she's like Cordelia where are you Cordelia is lying in a pool of her own blood (gasps) and she's freaking out Cordelia is like I'm gonna cycle again like it's not the end for me don't worry but I have very limited time to tell you many things so she's like first off take my blood to Dr. Pat so she can prepare it for my next cycle secondly you are the only one who can defeat the Silverbloods because your mom is Gabrielle Otherwise known as Gabriel, the Archangel. Stop. Yes. Stop. Yes. <laughs> and so up until now, any reference to Gabrielle was Gabrielle, but she goes, Gabrielle, Gabriel, and then refers to the, the Archangel as Gabriel a few more times. And I have so many questions like, okay, conservative Christians come fight me on this, but angels don't have gender. No. And gender does not exist Listen, just, for anybody. Just look up actual biblical. Look up the e- like the actual e- angels that look like Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yes, look those up things biblical don't have- angels. Those things are horrible. You're telling me like four spears and an eyeball have has a gender? Yeah, you're trying to tell me that's a man? <laughs> Come on. Good luck. It's like clearly they're like, oh, we have to establish that when we say Gabrielle, we mean Gabriel, but she wanted it to be female for reasons we'll get into. So she was like, Gabriel, Gabriel. So it's like really confusing and makes no sense. And again, angels don't have genders. People, gender is a social construct. Yes. So, Gabriel, one of the seven archangels, so that means archangels are Gabriel, Michael, Patch, and four other bitches. <laughs> well, we'll find them later, I'm sure. Again, if you haven't listened to the first episode, this makes no sense. It's fine. Or just read Hush Hush. Read Hush Hush. Don't do it. Don't. So, this is what we find out that two archangels went voluntarily with the banished angels and Lucifer, who's also an angel, but, you know, the head one of the banished group. The HBIC. Yeah. So they went to help them Mm -hmm. get guided back to heaven. So really, Gabrielle, who is alternatively called Gabriel in this one section, was really the one that was like, no, like, because of how much I love angels and want forgiveness for them, I'm going. But Michael, the other archangel, was completely devoted to Gabrielle and in love with with her mm-hmm. that he was like well if you're going I have to go with you because I can't live without you mm-hmm. so that's that's why Charles is like crying in her ho- in hotel in her hospital room because he's been since the beginning of time in love with her mm-hmm. like he came to earth just for her oh wow yeah but then he like took control of the group like from Cordelia I don't know why he wasn't in charge of the group to begin with at Plymouth because he's Michael. Yeah. These feel like weird camp counselors. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then this is when they tried to justify the incest. They quote, in Egypt, pharaohs routinely married their sisters as emperors did in Rome. But in the modern world, the practice became increasingly prescribed. And so it became a hidden secret about twins 
being married. Just, they were like, okay, so people used to do it in the past, so it should be fine So now. we did it because we've been around since the beginning of time and we re- are angels and not real human flesh, but we are flesh in some regard, but not our blood. So it's fine now. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure they're saying that like they're twin. I think Charles and I, I haven't mentioned it, but the mom's name is Allegra. Wait, the... <laughs> the uh, Skylar's mom. Her human name, not human, but her current name is Allegra. Okay, I was like, so I her name is Gabrielle. <laughs> yeah, so her, that's her angel name, but their, their new identities are Charles and Allegra. So I'm pretty sure like in this lore, they're also twins, okay. like Jack and Mimi. Um, Like twin angels. Okay. I think they're, yeah, technically twin angels, but they were blood bound to each other in like a a loving marriage way. So they were blood bound for all of eternity. So you find out that a lot of blue bloods, they, not a lot, but some of them are blood bound to each other. Uh So they are basically always reincarnated together and all these lives have been married with each other. They're basically soulmates. This is their soulmate version. And that's what Charles and Allegra were until she met a human familiar and fell in love with him, Uh broke her bond with Charles to be in love with this human, Uh had Skylar, Uh and then the dad had some kind of like accident or illness and died. And she was just like, I love him so much. I could never take another familiar. So because she's not drinking human blood at all, she's in a coma. Mm. Despite the fact that she's an archangel, I guess she still needs this human blood to sustain herself in this form. Yeah, that's where I'm confused about her being in the hospital. Like nobody, it's been a while, right? And like, I'm just confused. It's been like 13, 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. So Charles was just so upset and angered by the breaking of their bond that he, you know, like technically he was part of the Van Allen family unit, but he broke off and like started his own Mm. and changed his name. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Cordelia reveals that people are going to try to destroy Skylar because there's like a prophecy of some sort that says the daughter of Gabrielle will bring the salvation blue blood seek. So silver bloods, anybody who doesn't want that salvation are going to try to kill her. Mm. So that's what Charles was referencing when they were like, the conclave might kill her. I think. I'm not, that's not, that's what I took from it because there's no other explanation unless they're just, he's just mad that an angel had a a half human child, but it's not, she doesn't pose a risk to anything. Mm -hmm. So Cordelia's like, to destroy the silver bloods, your best bet is to find my husband, who's one of the end mortals. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has basically since Plymouth and maybe even before that. Um, had the same, I think, like, yeah, since Plymouth has had the same meat suit. Mm-hmm. The reason Cordelia and her husband split up after the whole Plymouth incident was they were really worried that someone in the conclave was a silver blood, and they were like, for our own safety and for the sake of saving the blue bloods, it's best if the two people that are actually convinced that something wrong is happening split up. Mm-hmm. So he's, she's just like, oh, he might be in Venice. <laughs> and she's like, look at St. Mark's like Plaza, whatever, look here. Or... Go to uh, Cipriani's. He loves Bellini's. Oh, my God, Cipriani. Yeah. And then she reveals that, you know, most of the books in the repository are by him. So all those histories we were getting cut into along with the diary were his histories. So we were getting, like, these little couples, like, her diary, his history books. Wow. Love story. And then, here it is, folks. Cordelia's dying words to Skylar are, Facio Volaturis Fortis, be strong and brave. They translate in the book, Facio Volaturis Fortis, which is Latin, 
They translate that as be strong and brave. Now, for all y'all who also studied Latin, you should be screaming right now because what that really translates to is something that says, I, strong and brave, act, or I, strong and brave, create, or strong of brave, I do. So it doesn't, it does not translate into a real statement. If she was trying to say be strong and brave in Latin, what she should have said is something like, there's a couple, there's like so many words that you could use and a lot of words that mean strong also mean brave. But one, what she probably was, should have said was, uh, valida et fortis s. And so this just, I was just so mad. This feels like early Google Translate. This was definitely early Google yeah, Translate. she just like put that in, she was like, cool, copy paste. And again, editor because didn't double check. What she needed was an imperative to like, if you're saying be strong, like you're, it's like, it's a yeah. command. Facio means like it's first person present. So you're saying, I create, I do. Mm-hmm. And Villaturis, which is like a really interesting choice for strong, it's the nominative case. So that's the subject. So she's basically saying that using strong to describe I in the statement. And then. So she's basically saying something like, I do strength. No, no, no. Str- like strong is a descriptor for the subject, which is I. So oh. that's why she's saying like, I, a strong person. Okay. <laughs> create. And then uh, we don't have to get into the rest of that. But anyway, when we cut to Cornelia's funeral, everyone's wearing white this time. And then Jack apologizes and is like, I have responsibilities that outweigh our relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, responsibilities to who I am at the blue blood. And Scholar's like, yeah, whatever. You do you. I got things I have to do. You do you. I'll do me. Bye. And he's just like, what do you? He's like really worried about what she's going to do. He, he, he's like, oh, no, she's confident and dangerous. <laughs> we got a confident, independent woman. Yeah, that's not, not a good combination. Yeah, so she just says bye and then leaves with Oliver, and then they're in Times Square, like or dr- they're passing through Times Square, and her modeling billboards up, and then also what's up is a new edition of the New York Post that says Preppy found dead at a party, and that's a very New York Post headline. Yeah, it is. But it's another blue blood they recognize. <sighs> so Skylar's thinking to herself, she's like, the blue bloods are going to ignore this issue, and they're going to get killed off, and I have to do something about this. So she turns to Oliver and is like. Do you want to go to Venice? And that's the end of the book. This is like 44 chapters. There's no climax. Yes. It's just description. It's just. The, this is all exposition. It's all exposition. Yeah. I was that's my, my look, at, look at my note. End of book one. Just exposition. Yeah. I was like, oh, like this is going to be a really long episode because like I'm not feeling any climax. And then, you know, we have to hit the climax and then go back There's down to no resolution. There's no climax. This is exposition. And I have several notes on how she could have cut out a lot of parts and to have more like there's so much she could have done like she didn't need like 40% of this book to just be describing clothes and buildings she she needed a better editor (laughs) yes and it's like this reads like one of those like 40 chapter fan fictions well what's really funny is um the when I was reading this and when she goes into the lengthy descriptions of clothes and like especially like the brand names and things I had flashbacks to when I was active on uh, back actually you know back when this book was being published like 2010 20 actually I don't know I thought it was published earlier but like Amazon said 2010 I thought it was like 2007 but anyway back in like 2010 2011 when I was hitting up role playing forums and I had to you know set the scene let everyone know who my character was and it was all the name dropping every tiny like every accessory every clothing item color brand like this is bad role playing material yeah that is true I also was (laughs) big in the vampire role playing oh my god well not just vampire that was the online role 
role playing. That was the main one I was a part of was a vampire one. And um, you really did just have to give like 10 paragraphs just about like what your character looked like and was wearing. Yeah, that's what this feels like. And then her just like, she very much wanted people to know that she lived in New York. Like she gave explicit driving directions. Like we passed, and also they were incorrect too. She was like, we passed Simon and Schuster in Time Warner. And like <laughs> maybe when she was in college, Time Warner was not at Columbus Circle. Who knows? But yeah, <laughs> she, gave, she gave like excruciating details. So like to be like, yeah, true New Yorker, true New Yorker here. At one point, Skylar's getting off the bus and she goes through the detail of like the yellow tape to get off the bus. Oh my God. And it's really funny because she just taps it once and gets off. And I was like, no, the true New York experience is you're trying to get off the bus and you're just banging on the yellow tape on the door and it won't open. You have to force the doors open. <laughs> yeah, but this was Hush Hush was not a good book, but I had fun reading it. Time Warner moved to Columbus Circle and they're only New York headquarters in 2004. Okay. Well, she definitely was... I don't think she looked at how New York had changed since she went to college, because I have a feeling she went to college. Actually, please hold. But apparently it's moving to Hudson Yards. Yeah. But that was as of yeah, 2014. Yeah, because CNN's, um, CNN's at Hudson Yards now. But And then Deutsche Bank is going to move into Deutsche. Time War. So that's a little fun so New York trivia So she's 49 years old. So she she lived in New York way before that. Yeah. And she was there for college. So she didn't look, she just didn't bother to see that these staples from, actually no, because Time Warner wasn't there. You're right. She, Time Warner has only ever been the, uh, at, I forgot that at part. Columbus Circle. Yeah. Oh, so she just did not understand geography when it she wrote this. It moved there in 2004 from wherever they were headquartered previously, which I don't bother to look up. Mm-hmm. It never would have been on the east side by Simon & Schuster. No, it would not have. Yeah, so this was painful to read. Yeah, I'm so glad that we did this episode because, like I said, I saw this in the library a lot. And it actually reminded me why I never read it because somebody, I don't remember who, told me that it wasn't actually about vampires. Like, really? I just realized I forgot to cover something. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Mimi and Jack. At some point in the book, you find out that they are the twin angels of the apocalypse. Oh, my God. So they are also angel twins. And that, Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're, okay. But they've been husband and wife throughout history. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, but they're, so that's why, like, you don't want to fuck with Mimi because even when she was an angel, she was, and, like, they were, like, pretty close to, like, going off with Lucifer, but kind of decided not to. Oh, Mimi's a bit of a villain. She, like, kidnaps Jack at one point in a later book because he broke the bond with her to be with Skylar. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's... Wow. Yeah. Well, anyway, anyway. so, yeah, <laughs> it reminded me because some... I think one of my friends must have read it and told me that it wasn't... Because I, for some reason, was really into, like, I only want to read, like, straight-up vampire novels. Yeah. I didn't want it mixed with other supernatural angels. elements. <laughs> and so somebody told me that... I didn't know the angel part. They just yeah. told me it wasn't really about vampires, so I didn't read it. Yeah. No, it's not good. And I was talking to our friend Gabby, who also read this entire series. And, and recently reread it. And she recently reread it, and she had the same realization as I did, where we were both just like, I can't believe we liked this back in the day. Granted, I didn't remember much of what happened. And I think Well, be- not much happened! That's why! <laughs> and I remember when I got book four back in the day to read, after reading the first three books, and I was so confused. I was like, I don't know anything that's happening, and I just gave up on the series. So I've never read the full series. Uh, that's a mood for just any mid-2000s series. Mm-hmm. was just like picking up a new book and being like, I don't remember anything that happened and never <laughs> reading it again. Yeah. But yeah, that's the wild ride of um, Blue Bloods. So why do you think this was a book? Because she needed people to know 
she lived in New York and that she thinks there's a lot that people could do with vampire lore to make it different. Yeah, my favorite part was the reverse Twilight. Yeah, I I really skimmed. I like I saw Glow in the Dark and I like flipped the page. It was like, I don't want to know what's going on here. <laughs> it's like, God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Well, we'll have something better next week. Yeah, next week. I don't think it can get much worse than that. Next week, we'll be delving into the afterlife. Oh, my God. That's the only supernatural part. They're just dead. You'll find out more. All right. Well, well, we'll see you next time on Why a Book. Bye. Bye.